to the podcast. Today's conversation is with Christian, and we talked about a lot. I'll list a few topics quickly. Number one, how struggle can inspire. Number two, how your impact can affect the collective consciousness. And number three, developing your purpose. So if you're new, I do three types of episodes. Number one, a guest interview. That's what today is. Number two is me ranting for 10 to 20 minutes about a specific topic. And number three, you guys can send me an email at gliscuscapital at protonmail.com and I'll begin making episodes, answering questions or speaking on topics that you're interested in. And do me a favor, if you enjoy, drop me a rating or review on whatever platform you listen to. For Apple, you scroll to the bottom of the episodes and you can write a real a longer review and on Spotify, you can give a star rating. I'd appreciate either. Thank you so much. Enjoy the conversation. How did your whole interest in the route that you're in with the ancestral lifestyle and quite just being reliant on yourself, where did that sprout from? Mm, Yeah. You know, speaking of things outside of myself, a lot of it actually stemmed from my family and it stemmed from my, my little sister, Nina's one of my biggest inspirations. Uh, she had a heart, a heart transplant eight years ago in March of 2014. And, uh, yeah, I mean, her whole life, she's dealt with uh, a lot of health consequences and issues. Um, she was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which is basically like a, a three chambered heart where one of her ventricles on the left side was almost completely filled up with muscle tissue. And she had tiny holes all throughout her heart and just poor circulation her whole life. And eventually her heart started to fail. She had pneumonia like Christmas day of 2013. And for three long, grueling months, she was in the hospital, my parents staying with her. And uh, yeah, it was really, really difficult. And eventually they just said, you know, she's not going to survive without a, a new heart. And so luckily by the grace of God, unfortunately, but fortunately someone had to pass away in order to give her that life. And so Uh, I'm actually a really big proponent as well with the donating life and donating organs after you pass from this earth, you can provide that, that power and that spiritual growth for other people and continuing their, their legacy in life. And so, um, you know, a lot of it stemmed from outside of me in that sense, you know, my family's health wasn't always the sharpest, my extended family, a lot of hypertension, anger, deeper did anger, Mm -hmm. uh, my uncles and stuff like that. And um, I always just kind of grew up just kind of analyzing it and just just kind of thinking about it and then eventually it kind of just struck like hey i'm i'm really passionate about you know sports and eventually that led into fitness and working out and then one thing led to a next and i started realizing you know just working out and just eating healthy isn't enough and this is where that holistic approach i'm really big on comes in you know we have to embody the uh eight dimensions of wellness which is you know spiritual environmental financial, occupational, physical, emotional, there's so many layers, right? I could go on and on. And um, if one of them is kind of out of balance, and I see this in my life, and I've gone through a lot of health troubles myself, then, you know, the whole thing gets out of balance. It's kind of like a a wheel spinning, you know, you take out one slice of the wheel, it's smooth for a little bit, and then you hit a rivet, and it's just continuation of that rivet. And then it affects the whole dynamic of the the bike, and eventually it falls apart. So (laughs) that's kind of the aspect of, um, you know, what I've gone through in my life and what led me into this big passion. It's so powerful how 
we often we take things for granted. I, I have found myself in the past complaining when in reality you you explain that story to me where your sister is it's not her fault that that happened to her. That's just by the grace of the creator or what whatever. And she's put in a situation where like so much must be overcome just for her to live. And I think these type of awarenesses of context, I, I catch myself being ungrateful, complaining in my past. And then when you hear about a story like that, it's kind of like a, a smack in the face. Okay, why are you not taking each day to push yourself to grow, to bring value to other people when someone like your little sister has to go through so much just to simply be alive. And I, I haven't spent much time thinking about the impact of something like donating your organs after you pass away, but I love that. Like, I'll be sure to check that box off when I pass away. Now that you just shared that with me, it's so powerful when you connect with other humans and like this whole podcasting experience is a learning experience. And it's just, I, for so long underestimated the value of communicating with people you know, I was, I refer to myself as an introvert, but at the same time, I found this new, new love for talking and just expressing and learning. You get so much from putting yourself around like-minded people who are positive and just looking to leave some sort of positive, helpful impact for other people. Mm, I love this. I, I totally second that. And you know what you brought up earlier in the beginning about gratitude, it's one of the strongest most powerful emotions out there. Like it really is. It's like we, when we lose touch with our gratitude and gratefulness in every moment, we start losing touch with that zest for life. And that creates that, you know, if we get real deep with this, that, that impacts the collective consciousness, that impacts the metaphysical world, right? That's impacting other people directly without you even knowing it, you know, having negative emotions or kind of a woo me mentality. Um, life is hard though. It always throws us curveballs, but mm -hmm. there is that resilience we all need to tap into, which is so important for everyone beyond ourselves. And it's powerful when you understand life is not supposed to be easy for, for a long time. I wanted to create this life where, okay, I work hard twenties to thirties, and then I can just sit on the beach and relax. Mm -hmm. And now I've come to realize when your consciousness has a, an aim, a target, I heard this little saying from Wayne Dyer, and it's like, when you're asleep, the creator of the universe slips the message into your ear. And like, mm. that's what you're supposed to be doing. And for some reason, it applies so much to me. I feel I didn't choose this passion to share a positive message. It just like, came into my mind one day and now I feel like there's no other route but to consistently carry myself as such a high have such a high target that I'm never going to stop I always have to be learning and growing and that's so different from how I grew up in high school I just wanted to get rich quick and I, I was a very shallow human being and I think there is um a huge meaning crisis. What do you think about 
the idea of a meaning crisis. Mm. Oh my gosh. This is one thing I work with a lot of my clients on is developing your purpose statement and finding purpose, right? I think that is a huge crisis and epidemic nowadays uh, is people not really knowing what they're here on this planet for, or even trying to discover it, right? It's self-discovery. It's not something that's just handed to you like, Hey, this is your purpose. It's like mm-hmm. a lot of trial and error with things is how you sprout that, that purpose or that, that, that mission or that impact you can create. And so um, I think it's uh it is a big, big problem nowadays. And I think people just need guidance because we've been indoctrinated since we were really young to follow a certain system with a certain amount of rules and live a certain way. Just going off of what you said, Justin, about how you uh, were, you know, you grew up and you're kind of more materialistic or uh, wanting the, the money game in a way, right? We all fall victim to that, like reaching for stuff outside of us. And that externalization ruins our sole purpose and it, it fades it or it, it just clouds it over. And so I think uh, people can really benefit from being alone, but in the sense of not alone, uh, distracting themselves in the sense of alone, like straight up, just closing your eyes and just, just feeling the sensations in your body, all those somatic responses, the gratefulness ties into this too. I think the more grateful you are, the more awareness sprouts to where you can actually find that purpose and that meaning. And a big question I always come to is how do we make people realize that there is a true meaning to their individual life? Mm -hmm. And now it's becoming more prevalent each conversation I have related to this topic. It has to do with cutting out distractions. And when I really look at my life in a big picture context, I come to realize I always was thinking deeply, but I was very distracted for so long, whether it's just friends or using numbing substances. And I I made a video last week about sports as a distraction. And it's a hard topic because I'm all for moving your body and doing athletic things. But if you're one of those couch potatoes who you know, you're the biggest fan in the world for all of these teams, but you're not taking care of your health. That's what I was more so getting at. There are so many ways to distract yourself in today's society. And what you said about solitude, being alone is different from being in solitude. When you're alone, you feel as if you don't have any contribution to humanity. But when you're in solitude, that gets more at the feeling your body, listening to your thoughts and getting in touch with whatever you would like to call it, the source, the creator, just by sitting with yourself. There's this funny statistic. I don't know the exact percentage, but let's say 75% of people would choose to get zapped rather than sit with their thoughts for 15 minutes. (laughs) That... That was interesting to me. Oh, man, that's crazy. That's so funny. I mean, it makes sense in a way. It is interesting. Um, It's almost like solitude that came up for me. I've never heard that before, but it's like you discover your soul in a way just by being in solitude. Um, But yeah, I think it's true. I think uh, avoiding distractions, but also uh, just really having certain distractions that are healthy, right? Um, The word distraction is kind of interesting because it's like it it's basically alluding to the idea that we're moving away from something we should be doing. Right. It's like, there's a soul speaking to us and instead we're having our mind take over the wheel, which is a very interesting concept. So I think it just depends on where, um, 
the distraction is heading you in the, in the right direction or the wrong direction. And that's just self-awareness that has to be, uh, you know, contributing it into that. So I think a lot of us have self-awareness, but we're constantly self-sabotaging and that's mm. the most, uh, that's the most, the hardest thing, the toughest pill to swallow. So what would you recommend to people who know they're participating in self-sabotaging activities? How would you get them to put their future self, their healthier self above the instant gratification that's derived from the self-sabotage? I love this. So the first things first is actually understanding and feeling into the emotions of failing failure, failure insights change much more than success orientation thought. So like if you are thinking about the sensations and feelings of achieving a particular goal, let's say you want to lose 15 pounds of fat and you're just focusing in on that, that goal being achieved and how good it feels to be in that body and all the energy towards it. It's actually scientifically, statistically less effective than focusing in on the negative consequences of not achieving the goal. If that makes sense. So if you can focus in on what would it be like if three months from now, you did not lose that 15 pounds of fat, what would that feel like? How would that impact every aspect of life and meditating and dwelling into that feeling of the negativity around it actually insights change more than it does focusing in on the positivity. So if people are aware that they're doing something they should know they shouldn't be doing, I recommend that they, or invite them to really focus in on what if I kept doing this for three months, what would happen? Where would I be? Would I be in a better place or a worse place? Would I be happier or sadder or more, you know, less out of touch with my highest self? So I think that the strongest thing you could do is actually focus in on the negativity and the consequences of doing something, you know, you should be doing versus, okay, if I don't do this and I do something else, you know, what difference does that make? Right. So also it's analyzing Justin, like, what can I replace this habit with? That's the first thing too, is like, you can't just like remove the habit and then you're kind of just twiddling your thumbs. Like, what do I do now? You have to replace that habit with something more effective. So if I'm catching myself on social media for five hours out of the day, well, what can you do to replace that social media? Uh, right. You can replace it with an app. That's a brain game app or something like that. And eventually move towards not going on that and doing journaling or just something that will help bring forth that, uh, that integrity. Right. And you, you mentioned that, that switch from social media to a brain app, I like how that is a subtle switch because you don't make changes so quick that are mm. so intense, you won't be able to sustainably do them. Like Cold turkey always sucks, man, let's be honest. Right, and it, it would be ridiculous to say, I'm gonna go from not reading at all to reading for an hour and a half a day. Like. I started reading 10 pages a day for months. And I finally, after a while, worked myself up to 50 minutes. And then, you know, good things take time and Mm -hmm. you can't really rush things. But what you mentioned about replacing a habit, that is golden because what are you going to do? Just drop it and no, it's not going to work. If you just drop it and don't fill it with a, a healthier activity, you're going to find yourself bored. And a big thing for me is the mindfulness around urges, like taking the time to journal and reflect upon when, what situation, what time of the day causes me to run to a certain um, distraction, which is not good for my future self. And 
building that awareness, it could come from so many things, but I, I like to start simple. If you aren't doing anything good right now, start with a daily walk in the morning, or if you're not journaling, do five to 10, 15 minutes. Don't go so intense that it's not something you can do over time. Mm. I always like to say the micro creates that macro effect in life, right? It's like all the, it's a domino effect, right? It's just start small and eventually you'll start creating a loophole of positive actions, right? Um, and I like your, your idea of just like analyzing, okay, like the journaling or whatever, when it comes to urges, if you have an urge to do something right away, try to breathe through that for a second and analyze, is that something that's really something I need to do right now? I think going back to the breath in any occasion can be a superpower right there. Yeah, often I do catch myself with anything. It could be a podcast and there's a little bit of nervousness and something that helps a lot is, okay, you're not nervous, you're excited. The way you speak mm. to yourself is very important. But then along with that, even just one deep breath always helps me. Like you, and ideally you can go for a minute, however long as you want, but getting out of your head, it's so easy. I've caught myself often in my life, just looking in the mirror. And then I cycle into this terrible thought process of self critique and it's never positive. It's always either, either comparing myself to some, that's, that's a good point we can hit on. The, the damages of comparing yourself to other people. Mm. Instead of doing that, what's helpful is compared to you yesterday. And if you're not tracking what you're doing, this is a sign because without paying attention to who you were yesterday, that means you're not really aware of whether you're failing or not. Something I've learned from Jordan Peterson is clarify your goal because with a clear goal, then you understand if you're not hitting that goal. Mm, I love that. Yes. Yes. It, it, he also emphasizes the whole idea of like, we all have an aim, right? But it's like, do we see that aim and uh, looking at unpacking it a little bit more and yeah, breaking it down to smaller steps, right? You can't just have a, a broad goal and just like have that goal in mind all the time and that big vision. You got to be able to actually conceptualize it in a way that's uh, feasible in the short run as well. Right. So I'm curious, what are some of the more valuable lessons that you've went through and learned through your personal experiences? Because I know experience is the best teacher. You can read things, you can hear things, but tell me a bit about any sort of experience that really taught you something that you hold close to you each day. Mm, I love this. I would say, you know, primarily speaking with integrity is a big one for me and speaking my truth and uh, doing so in a kind and loving way. Um, there's been times where I'm abrupt with the way I communicate and I've learned from those experiences that, yeah, that was my truth, but it also was hurtful. So there's a way to communicate that is, it's the art of communication, right? The simple art of communication of being able to communicate love and understanding first and then being able to communicate your truth that may or may not be hurtful. And so I think that's one thing I had to wrap my head around for a long time. And also just speaking my truth in a way of not lying. Why lie? That doesn't do anything for it. It eats you alive slowly over time. And you may not feel a white lie, even though it's so subtle, but why, why do that? You know? So I've learned from that in my past of just like having white lies. Like, you know, we, we hear the small lies. It's like, they're actually not small. They're, they're creating that huge 
macrocosm effect in your life. It's affecting your whole trajectory just by saying something that may or may not be true with uh, who you are or what you've done. So I think one thing for sure, Justin, is just analyzing like my past and speaking truth and just being honest with it. And um, there's a really cool uh, rule out there as well, just going off of communication that I'm really big on through experience. I believe it's called th- uh, 55 38 7, I believe. And so basically, 55% of our communication is understood via body language. And then you have 38%, which is understood via tone of voice. And then only a mere 7% is actually through our literal words being used in conversation. So that impact we make through communication is primarily through the way we move our body, the way we move our face, express our emotions through our physical body. And on top of that, the tone of voice. And, you know, it's just really interesting thinking about that because over time I've, I've been really trying to work on through experiences of saying the wrong things, trying to optimize my throat chakra in many ways. I've never heard that term throat, sh- throat chakra. Is that really closely related to your tone of voice? Yeah. Yeah. So we have the whole chakra system, right? And so the throat is one of those things that I strongly believe, like, you know, we have the solar plexus lower, we have the lo- root, which is the lowest and so we have all these feelings and this energy arises through us um, in a linear way. And so for me, the throat is the, the ability to communicate and going back to the speaking with integrity, it's the ability to speak with your, your voice and not feel hesitancy towards it and expressing your truest self. Um, I was actually at an ecstatic dance last night, funny enough, and was with a massive group of like 30 plus people. And it was interesting. We gathered in a circle afterwards and we shared how we feel felt and everything regarding the experience. And a lot of people just shared how we don't necessarily need communication to be able to communicate how we feel. We can do so through our body, right. And just moving around. And so that was a big part of that, that stood out too, with the whole 55, 38, seven rule is that idea of just, we can communicate through our body and the body language. It's very, it's so deep how, so many aspects go into who we are I like like a simple example of when you when you bend your finger and then you point your finger down it's like I'm not how is that happening I don't really know but it goes into the the depth of humans there's another thing that just came to the top of my mind and have you ever just looked at someone knowing that they were staring at you it's like after oh, that's after, such an eerie feeling it's just weird like what in our body is is telling us to snap to that person but after so, someone's staring at you it happens and it's unexplainable and that's why i i'm very spiritual because i've just came to realize through personal experience how deep humans and our whole world really is it's um a topic that will always have more depth to to search through but getting back to how we communicate and how we use our voice it, it is very shocking how you can read someone's vibe through even like you said it's only seven percent i think of the words they're saying you can see through them in their intentions if they are not confident in the way that they're speaking if if their shoulders are shrugged down you it's very i i love these ways of getting to the deeper levels of 
really human connection. It's such a, mm-hmm. it's such an interesting topic. No, that goes deep into the metaphysics and everything, you know, and that it's like a never ending topic that can be discussed. It's, it's, it's like almost philosophy, but it's like grounded in science nowadays. And Nikola Tesla a long time ago spoke up about the idea. He had a quote where basically science will have achieved its greatness, something along these lines, I'm butchering it, but science <laughs> would have achieved its greatness once it begins to acknowledge the things that we cannot see and it starts integrating the things that we cannot see. And that's just so true because I think science nowadays is all about like, oh, you know, this is the numbers, this happened here, and we're doing all these tests and trials, but you can't really test some spiritual metaphysical stuff as much. And that's what great leaders like Joe Dispenza and some of these names out there are trying to integrate um, is this idea of the metaphysical world integrating into the physical reality we live on. And so I love how you bring that up because this is stuff that will never have a grounded answer. You know, it's just all based upon personal experience. Like the idea of just like looking up and someone staring at you, like that whole thing. How do you explain that? Right. Yeah. And that's what I think maybe specifically our generation is meant to do with this abundance of technology and therefore wisdom that can be gained through that our past generations didn't really have the luxury. Like, oh, I know there have been so many amazing ancient philosophers and Nikolai Tesla, of course, he's a wizard. But at the same time, we have this great opportunity to learn from so many brilliant minds. And it's so mind-blowing how if you tell yourself you're sick, just through personal experience, you're much more likely to be sick. Rather, if you, the words you speak to yourself really matter. Like, this is why I'm not a fan of being classified as depressed or using these Mm. terms that don't encourage your highest self. Because if there's a difference, if I feel like trash and I tell myself I'm healing, my body is working through this, I'll be better very soon. Or if I sit and slump and, oh, I feel horrible, I'm sick, I'm struggling, I know my body reacts in two different manners. And the, I love that quote you said from Nikolai Tesla, like that is, it's beautiful. And that's what we need in this, for, for our world to become what it's meant to be, we need to start recognizing the power of the unseen things. Mm, the unseen I love that. Yeah. It's uh, it's a, it takes time to be able to tap into that too. And it, there's constant ways to just dig deeper layers into our essence, you know, and, and I, it always goes back to solitude, like we said, and it goes back to inner work and inner work can mean so many things. Like it can mean so many things. I, I like to really incorporate breath work lately. It's been one of my favorite ways to just really do that inner work. It's just like that cathartic feeling after doing a round of like a couple rounds of Wim Hof or Tumo breath or just like some holotropic breathing or anything along those lines, or even just slow box breathing, like four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, you know, four seconds in, just repeat, right? I just think that's such a, a beautiful thing. We have this inner technology with within each and every one of us that we can tap into at any moment in time. And our breath is always there. You know, we have, I, I forgot how many breaths we take a day. It's something unreal, like 25,000 breaths or something crazy. And it's like, you know, we can totally have control over that. The idea that we can have conscious breathing and unconscious breathing, it's just mind blowing to me in, in itself. And you, you really 
are motivating me to spend some more time on breathing because for a little bit I was doing meditations where I was consciously breathing, but then I've more so fallen away from that. And I don't notice some sort of atrophy in how I live, but the, the power of conscious breathing, it's such a way to realize what's in your control and what's not in your control. That's something that I rely on and have to remind myself of every single day. If I catch myself being angry or having feelings of irritation arise for something that's not in my control, the breath is like the number one way to calm yourself down quickly. And I'm going to take some time to look into Wim Hof and other good good mentors on that topic because the fact that he's broken so many ridiculous records and the breathing is what he always preaches there's this connection but i i know there's a lot of people who aren't on this type of level so i like to start with the simplest things that have helped me and i would have to say those are just being being getting movement often in your days, exercising. Mm -hmm. And then with that, getting seven, eight hours of sleep. And with that, the proper nutrition, staying away from food that was created by humans and just eating food that was grown from the ground and didn't have Roundup sprayed on it. If you, right. if, if that's what we focus on for the people who are in the beginning of their journeys of developing themselves and doing the inner work. I think it really, your beginning should be rooted in that exercise and a little bit of breathing and the nutritional intake. Is there anything else you would add to that as like a foundation for someone who is just in the beginning of developing themselves? Oh, I mean, you hit the nails on the head. I think for good stages that we have the utmost control over is what is going in our mouth. You know, and also just the going back to like the interconnections of where the food is from, like ask, like, where was this source from? You know, where, where's this coming from? Where's this food coming from? Right. Cause I, it's more than just what the food is. It's where it's coming from. So I think really starting off with just like the nutrition, the gut health, right. Putting nourishing foods into your body, eating whole foods. Like you said, like, just keep it simple. Anything that is truly from mother earth and Gaia. And all that stuff is really what's going to make the difference on your body and trying to move away from anything that was made in a lab or processed in a factory. Um, that's a very powerful way to go, go about it. You know, it's like eat more plants, eat less things made in a plant in a way. And you can also, also, I'm not just like talking about plants, but like eat nutritious animal-based foods. I'm a big proponent of that. Just going off of ancestral eating. I think you just focus on whole organic foods as much as possible. Both plants and animals is something I promote quite a bit. I, I just don't believe in anything that is dogmatic when it comes to the nutrition realm. Um, that is just one of my biggest deep dive studies is nutrition. I have such a passion for it. And I strongly believe that once humans begin to take a hold of their nutrition, you know, that creates that impact on the planet as well. Simultaneously, like imagine if we just started supporting less cash crops, like corn, soy, sunflower, safflower, all that stuff. And we started just eating more fruit. We started eating more regeneratively raised animals, right? Like all that stuff will make a big impact on the planet and our health. So it's a dynamic duo right there. So I think the food is big one. You covered that quite a bit. Um, and then the movement, man, like I think, you know, weightlifting is super important. I think we're not just overweight, but we're under muscled as a society. And I think one thing we can do is just like really try to pack on 
lean, strong muscle, which will support our metabolism in burning fat. So it's not just about moving more. It's also about like, how do I make the biggest impact on my metabolism long-term? Yes. Movement throughout the days, numero uno. But on top of that, if you can throw in like two, three, four days out of the week, getting some weightlifting in resistance training of some sort, that will challenge muscle growth that will support you too. And these are simple, actionable steps, right? It does. It seems overwhelming if any of you guys are listening, but just start small, start with nutrition, start with your gut, work your way into uh, muscle building, work your way into consistent movement throughout the day. And then I'd say last on the list, some simple actual steps is really journaling, just journaling, writing down your goals, writing down, uh, your, your passions, gratitude. We talked about journaling about gratitude and don't make it overwhelming. Start with like literally one minute or five minute journal entry. You don't have to start with like a whole novel and the same goes for food. Start integrating healthier foods little by little and start moving a little bit more every single day. You don't have to have this massive gargantuan goal at first. That makes it hesitant. No one wants to do that. So I would say those parts right there for sure. Right. And I watched one of your videos where you mentioned you're not a fan of a strict diet. And it totally resonates with me because the extreme to any side is just insensible. I'll mention politics quick, even though it's just a big puppet play, but Mm -hmm. we need more. And we do. I'm noticing there's a lot of people who are fans of the middle, but when you're on one side so much that you can't consider a opposing viewpoint, like you won't even listen to a peep that someone says, you're really wasting your potential to learn and grow. And if you're a human who is not able to debate in a friendly manner, what are you doing? Like Mm. we should be able to talk to people who don't agree with us respectfully and keep a kind tone of voice and actually listen to what they're saying without interrupting them. I'm, I'm not really encouraging you to go and speak with someone who is rude, but if you're, if someone comes up to you and wants to have a debate, they're kind and they don't agree with you have that debate. You'll do nothing but benefit from it. But mm. getting back to the, you really should look at the ancestral type of eating of living rather than saying, Oh, carnivore or vegan animals are on this planet for a reason. And what's actually more unnatural than or what's so unnatural, eating animals is normal. They've been here forever, but monocrop fields like soy, you mentioned safflower and all, all these fields that are not regenerative, but mm. they are just one crop and completely man-made. That's what we should be staying away from. Not the open grass pastures of animals doing what animals are supposed to do. Like, it's it's so important for us to remain open and not choose a side what whatever it's referring to just listen to other people and just from personal experience i've found like you mentioned a mix of fruits and plants and in high protein grass finished animals there there's the fine line that i try to mention to people meat is good but if you're eating meat that was corn and soy fed especially probably gmo that's mm. not good. You want to stay away from the corn and soy fed meats. 
Uh, yes, yes. See, it, it, that goes back to like, where is it sourced from? You know, and is, you could be saying like, I'm having a plant-based diet or a vegan diet. And it sounds all great. Or you could be saying on the contrary, a carnivore diet or whatever it may be. But where's, what kind of food is that really? Like, what is that, you know? So analyze like, okay, is this from a local source? Is this grass finish? Is this nose to tail? Is this bone broth? Is this liver, organ meats, uh, all that good stuff? Or is it just a steak? Is it just a New York strip every night, right? Like that's not a good carnivore diet. Um, you know, I think that's important to recognize that. And the same with the discrepancies in vegan, like you could be eating prostates, vegan foods, right? Just loaded up in all these weird chemicals and things, or you could be eating a vegan diet that's chock full of these healthy, diverse array of fibers. That's hundred percent organic. It's from the whole food source. Some of it is cooked. Some of it is raw. You're getting a protein source adequately from, you know, certain supplements as well, or you're taking advantage of certain, uh, nutrients deficiencies that could cause it could, that could be struck from chronically going vegan and, and not getting those animal foods. in. so there's so many layers to this. that It's like very confusing the nutrition realm, but I think it's all go, goes back to like, where's this source from? How is this impacting me and the planet? And it's, this is the interesting thing that I've come to find out over time. It, the higher you treat your, your body, the, the better quality things you put in, the stricter your body becomes. Like I, in the past, when I wasn't very good with nutrition, as you said, it's such a deep thing. So over time, you, you learn. It's nothing great happens overnight. So be patient with yourself and don't feel overwhelmed if you're having so many different things come at you from different angles. Just pick a few small things to improve in your life, journal, and then continue to reflect upon where else you can improve. But what I was getting at is when I began to really simplify my diet, I like this, keep it simple, stupid. So if you can't pronounce the ingredients, don't eat it. That's so simple. If it has more than five ingredients, 10 ingredients in it, you probably shouldn't eat it unless they're all, you know, unless it's a soup made of completely whole food ingredients. Mm. I'm talking from a package on that nutritional label. If you can't pronounce the chemicals, oh my gosh, they were man-made. So stay away from them. And over time, you'll begin to realize what your body rejects and what your body likes. From my personal experience, when I have processed foods after fueling myself with very healthy foods, I have so much mucus and that's mm. just, that's just a personal experience. But along with that, it's like paying attention to how you feel and reflecting upon what you fueled your system with that caused you to feel that way, whether it's an hour or two on social media, and then you have a headache and, and you don't feel good. Ask yourself questions. And I think this comes all the way back to the journaling, the importance of really reflecting upon what you're doing, what you're listening to, and what you're putting in your system. Yeah. And, and, you know, going off of that, a healthy body is a sensitive body. The more healthy you get, the more sensitive you get about things in your environment, right? Things outside of your vessel, which enter it, which could be the media. It could be your phone use. It could be, you know, what you're consuming when it comes to nutrition, um, so I think that's a very valid point is like, once you start getting really healthier, you'll start realizing, wow, the somatic response is like, I'm noticing I'm getting the kind of this nasal clogging after eating this 
particular food or my joints kind of hurt after that, or I'm getting brain fog or whatever it may be, just listening to the somatic cues. Like our body is trying to yell at us. It's yelling at us like, yo, this is going on. And sometimes we're just like blocking it down because we're clouded by a lot of sickness. And so it's important to just try to do your best to maybe fast for a little bit, then incorporate a little bit of foods. When I say fast, I'm not saying like long-term necessarily, but going without food for 12 hours and then eating food and seeing how your body reacts, start small, right? Then you'll just be like, whoa, my body totally felt this way. So I love how you bring that up and journaling about it, taking notes, uh, you know, externalizing what's inward is so important. Like if we have all these thoughts kind of scrambled up and they're not really cohesive, it's important to just put it down on paper. Wow. I can see this now. I can visualize these words that were just crazy and chaotic in my head. Yeah, it's exactly that. When the thoughts are in our head, it's just this discombobulated mess. And then when we take some time, a short amount of time, just to express our thoughts onto paper, you walk away from that and you feel clear. And the brain fog that you mentioned, that's another symptom. If you're eating these unhealthy foods, you're going to have symptoms from it. But unlike the our healthcare system, which only treats systems, you want to be your own doctor and attack those root causes. How do you start? Let's say you're overweight and you just, you're not super sure where to start. I would say it's as simple as getting sunlight in the morning. That's like amazing for your body's cycles. The circadian rhythm speeds up your metabolism right there. And then sometimes it's more important to know what not to do than to know what you want to do. So mm. you just stay away from those processed foods. And if you're watching and listening to information that is not educational, but rather polarizing, like if you notice you're on social media and then your adrenaline's pumping and you're very angry, that's a sign that your feed is not cultivated to serve you. See, I for a long time had this this issue with social media. I thought it was not beneficial. And oh, how have has that changed so much? It's because I, I completely stopped following anything that was polarizing, anything that wasn't educational towards the person I want to be. But then where does this all come down to? You have to get clear on who you want to become or who you don't want to become. I would argue maybe it's easier to start with who you don't want to be first. So with all that being said, a good activity to take away, flat piece of paper, pen, your top 10 values, what's important to you. And then from there, you can kind of, you know, figure out what isn't important to you and then reorder your priorities. Ah, oh, this is dime. This is a, uh, this is good stuff. This is golden. Cause I, I strongly believe it goes back to the purpose statement too. write down your core values, what resonates most with you, what you, you really want to make an impact revolving around on the planet. Um, and we all innately have that, right? Like, I feel like as we progress through childhood and stuff, certain things stick out, you know, for me personally, I'm just so big on sustainability and eco-consciousness doing my best to just reduce plastic and compost and all those little things support organic, things like that. I think it's so important. And if I don't do that, then I start living 
not in accordance to my highest self. And this goes back to integrity. What we were speaking about earlier. It's like doing if you, yeah, I love this. Like write down your core values, 10, five, whatever, and start like journaling that every day. And it's like becomes that emphasis of like, whoa, this is something that I need to keep on the front of my mind so I can constantly go back to it and start making better choices on a daily basis that align with that. Um, and like going back to the, the whole purpose and everything we talked about with that is finding meaning in life is so important for us to actually start, you know, taking those micro steps on a daily basis to reach towards that big goal. So I, I love that. And I, I, I know finding meaning, like you mentioned earlier, it's not something that just hits you. You have to <laughs> yeah, go through, definitely not. you have to go through being okay at sucking at something first. The idea that, okay, I'm, I will never be ready, but the best time to do this is now. Like that saying, there's no better time to plant a tree than today, besides like 20 years ago. So don't act as if it's too late for you to experience and try new things. And this kind of brings me to the, the ideas of mental blockages and, and limiting beliefs. It, it's a tough thing to rewire your mind. It really is. But it, it really comes down to what are you listening to? Are you taking in information from people who are like Jordan Peterson has changed my life because that man has forced me to look at myself and ask so many questions that had I not heard his guidance and his, his speaking, I wouldn't have asked those questions. I would have kept with my limiting beliefs and thought, oh, well, woe is me. Life is hard. And I guess I have to go work for this company. So it, it, it's so important to ask yourself questions. And, and what are some of the questions that you have asked yourself that have really revealed new ideas, new things to your, uh, about who you wanted to become? Mm. Well, I would say one of my favorites is what comes naturally to me? I think everyone should be asking that, you know, what comes naturally to me? What's something that most people find it difficult to adhere to or try or feel well-versed in. So finding what comes naturally to you. And on top of that, asking, you know, what activities did I enjoy as a child? Cause I think that's something that it, it brings out that childhood energy, that childlike energy and that playful energy, which to be honest, will help with your longevity and just feeling good overall. So if you can start integrating things that you really enjoyed as a child, I think that's super powerful. Like for me, it was always just playing out in nature, anything related to nature, just being outside. Like that always makes me feel so young and fun and, and spunky. So I, I think people asking those questions and, you know, what, did I, what kind of activities, what, what did I enjoy doing as a child? That's super important. What comes naturally to me. Um, and I think another one is just like, what puts me in the flow state? You know, what, what can help me get in that zone, that, that feeling of just like, wow, time just flew by time just dissipated i went in this alternate reality for 30 minutes or an hour or whatever that is so powerful to tap into that feeling more because that's truly what is going to help you get that drive is like wow i don't even have to think about this i'm just locked and loaded into this so you know those are three powerful questions right there and also just asking you know how do i connect my purpose to the greater good it's beyond just having your purpose for yourself and your life but also asking how can i integrate my mission that will affect the greater good or God or source or whatever word you want to put in there that resonates most with you. 
ask like how do i make this impact beyond my vessel see all the first three were powerful but that last one's like the powerful the most That's powerful the, one it, yeah and, and it's it takes time to really realize but if, if you have a passion for something and you start investigating curiously how it can help other people what i've come to realize is me being healthy and being my best it's not enough if it's just for me but since it i remind myself everything i do if i'm not fueling myself properly doing all the the healthy habits rather than the numbing and the poor habits if i and not doing that for other people for a greater good, it's so much easier to self-sabotage myself. But when I, I remind myself, dude, Justin, you have to keep at your top shape to reach your potential for the, the other people that need your help, for the people who will be served through your coaching, through your guidance, through your message. Now that is just too, it's too powerful of a idea for, for me to self-sabotage myself. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I definitely still make mistakes, but I make way less mistakes now that I remind myself of that exact thing. Mm, yeah. And it kind of connects to the idea of just reminding yourself of like the negative consequences we discussed, like really just going back to what would it feel like if I didn't accomplish my goals or all like no one wants to talk about negativity, but we do it anyway. And yet we don't talk about the consequences of not achieving something for something for some reason in our life, like the consequences of doing certain actions on a daily basis. So yeah, I think it's important just to acknowledge and be that se the self-awareness, right. But to know and not do is to never truly know. So if we're, if we're knowing all these things up in our head, but we're not applying it, it goes back to practicing what you preach pretty much useless like it doesn't do anything for us if anything it eats us alive slowly as well it's like not you know not taking advantage of applying what you know um i think a lot of us fall victim to that i do all the time too i'm not perfect as well going off of that i don't i think everyone is perfectly imperfect though at the same time mm -hmm. well yes 100 there's not a you see that brings me to the idea of when you see that person with the material good material goods with that beautiful girl with all the money you don't know what they're thinking there there's a reason why so many rich people are addicted to numbing substances and it's because they haven't done the inner work and that's just like in our society, it's so odd how a lot of these unhealthy, horribly unhealthy things are glorified. Like, but at the same time, I don't want to stay on that topic because it's it's a deep rabbit hole. Like I could rant forever. And <laughs> I'd rather touch on the power of our ability to anticipate regret. When you can when you can put yourself in this place where you ponder upon the, the pain of not being your best, of not achieving your potential. Because every the idea of potential in itself is such a mind-blowing theory because you don't even know your potential. It's, it's your job to hold yourself to the highest standard every day to at least move the needle towards figuring that out. But no one knows who they could be. And 
it's it's your duty truly as a human as such a spiritual being to take the time and push the needle forward one percent every day to, to aim with that high aim and also one more point that i love is the pain of inaction is so much worse than the pain of a quick rejection when you take action i don't know who i heard it from but the statistics speak for themselves when you're so much more likely to regret not doing something rather than going up to that girl or trying that new activity or anything new, I urge you to try and fail and try and fail and to just be open to what, what did I learn from messing up? Cause failures are just stepping stones. You only really fail if you give up and you quit. So I think and this connects directly to growth mindset and fixed mindset, you know, individuals that have a fixed mindset, basically view the, the their, their talents, their abilities, uh, all of that relating to themselves as kind of fixed and they can't really change that they're born. Okay. I'm not an artist. They say stuff like that, right? I'll never be able to do art like that or all these self self diminishing self-talk words. Um, that's a fixed mindset, or you could be the growth mindset person, which is exactly what you're talking about. And it's viewing failures as a part of success. So it's like, okay, okay. I just messed that up pretty badly. Let's, let's take that knowledge and let's move forward with it and use it for a successful moment later on goes back to even just me coaching. Like I had, you know, when I was first starting off, I was so timid. I was scared. I had like this, but I was going, going back to the very beginning, what you mentioned about podcasting, it's like it's this excitement as well that comes with it, but it's like this fear. And I was, I was not my, I was not the best coach because I was just beginning. Right. But now I'm at the point where I'm very confident and I'm, I'm I know what is right with the systems and all that stuff. And to where now it's just sleight of hand. Now it's just like, okay, this is great. Like this is all those failures I had with working with clients, not, helping them the best I could, all that created the successful mindset. So I think it's important to always acknowledge that, yeah, what you said, failures are not flaws. Failures are a part of success. And in that moment of, let's see if we could like transfer back to how you were feeling when you were at the beginning of your coaching journey. Well, what were you telling yourself? Did you have that growth mindset to say, well, I know I'm not doing this the best that I can, but how did you shift that or pivot it into something that benefited you, that turned you into the great coach that you have become rather than saying, oh, I guess I'm not a good coach. I'm, I'll never be a good coach. Mm, you know, fortunately, I always had this deep ingrained mindset around like, you know, even in the moment, like, man, I just really messed up and I'm going to keep going forward. I always had that. I always had that mindset of like this crystallized vision, you know, cause I always worked on it. I always had like this big mission to just really impact people and going off of the purpose statement. I, I go back to this now where it's to love God and to energize and empower people to live more adventurous, playful, sustainable, and healthy lives. Like I always have that down. Like it's just down in my heart now after repeating it for so many months now. And I think it's important to ask those questions like, you know, am I on the right trajectory? You know, is this actually going to influence or change me, um, this mistake? And yes, it should in a good way if you let it. And so I think I always had that kind of deep in the back burner of my mind. I was like, keep pushing forward. I have this big vision, even though it, it did suck. It, it's painful. You know, it's painful to fail. 
but it's only temporary. That's the beauty of it. And I, I think if there's any takeaway for the guests to take is ask yourself questions. When you ask good questions, your brain is just the answering machine. It, so there's a difference. If you ask yourself why won't I be able to become a good coach? You'll come up with answers for that. But if you ask yourself the opposite, the encouraging questions like, okay, I know I messed up, but what positive thing can I take from that? Maybe you rewatch the video and analyze everything and then take notes. Bing, you just turned a quote unquote failure into a learning opportunity. But Dude, I, I love your energy. So good to have a great conversation with you. If the guests want to see more, listen to you more, where should we send them? Mm, yeah, I appreciate you having me, Justin. It was a blast, man. And hopefully they got some good nuggets of information. And if you guys are looking to uh, connect with me, you know, I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube and TikTok primarily. Um, you can find me at CVC Wellness. Um, you know, for YouTube, you can just type in my name, Christian Bandcamp, lifestyle optimization. You should be able to find me with that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly putting stuff out there. It's super helpful on uh, really tapping into that holistic mindset and really helping you not only optimize your physique, but also really tap into that inner fortitude, that inner fitness. So you can reach me on that. And alongside that, uh, cvcwellness.com, Christian Bandcamp. So CVC Wellness. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. And Last thing, if you guys did enjoy all I asked, just share it with one friend, spread the message through word of mouth. That's, that's what I'm about. And I, I, I hope this helped you, but Christian, I, I appreciate you, man. And I'm wishing you a great day. You too, brother. I appreciate you too.